It's from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Yeah. Just want to, just to mention, uh, you know this, but uh, as I was singing and praying together this morning, I felt that the presence of the Lord was here with us and is here with us right now in this moment. And uh, we want to start with a word of prayer so then the Lord will, as Ana Patricia was saying, um, prepare our hearts uh, to receive what, we ha- what He has for us this morning. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we gather here today, Open our hearts and minds to receive your word. May your truth resonate within us, guiding us, our thoughts, and guiding our actions. Bless this time as we come together to your word, and may it draw us closer to you and one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In a world where fame and recognition are often pursued without substance and genuine accomplishments, it can be easy to lose sight, to lose sight of what truly, what truly matters. And today as we come into the scriptures in this passage from 1 Peter, we will explore the enduring, the enduring significance of our identity in Christ. Have you ever noticed how sometimes people became famous not because of their talent or hard work, but simply because they have a big following? on their media platform. It's just one hour and they can be rich next day. And they can be fame next hour. 
It's like fame has become a currency that people trading for attention and for popularity. And however, this passage is telling us that there is something else. Beneath the flashiness and glamour of this world, there is a lack of fulfillment. And Peter is calling us to something that is bigger, bigger than us. We live in this society that values being seen and acknowledged. We might unwillingly get caught up, willingly get caught up in the desire for attention, even if it's just in small, in small ways. But this passage today tells us that we are being chosen by God. And we are being born again to a living hope. That means that this new desire that we have lead us to a real fulfillment in life. Our true identity and our true purpose are not found in the fleeting prices of this world, but in the unshakable kingdom of God. Through Jesus Christ, we are elevated to the status of a holy priesthood entrusted with a task of magnifying God above everything else. The first letter of Peter reminds us of that. We have been studying and reading the first chapter, and now we are getting into the second chapter. And Peter has been telling us that just as the people of Israel were chosen by God and freed from slavery, from a sacrifice on that Passover night, we, too, are set free through the sacrifice of Jesus, who is the Lamb of God. Through this sacrifice, we are born again, and we have become the people of God. Notice that God did not save the people of Israel or did not save us just to be wandering as happy and free individuals, but also to become a people, to become a nation, to become a community and a building where Jesus is the cornerstone. And that's our passage this morning. If we go with me, and read the verses 4 and verses 5 of 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
God save us to build us up on the cornerstone Jesus and to unite us with the rest of the living stones. We are being built up as a spiritual house alongside one another. God has ordained. God has ordained that you will be beside me as you put a brick beside the other brick to build a house. God has ordained that car will be beside Peggy and that Peggy will be beside David Romke. And so on. God has ordained that we are freed not just to be long rangers, but to be a new nation, but to be a new community. And it says that though men may reject Jesus as the cornerstone, in God's sight, Jesus is chosen and what else? And precious. Jesus is chosen and precious. Jesus is the chosen one and the precious one. And in his love is his love that keeps this building together. It's not our own effort. It's not our own choose our own uh, chance that we create by ourselves to get together here. It is God who has put us together, one beside the other. Uh, there is, but there is a little, a little problem there. There is a little problem with us. We don't seem to fit together naturally. And often we prefer to be on our own, building our own network tailored to our preferences and to our needs. And this is why people build uh, clubs and fraternities. And often we think, we think about the church in, in the same way. People in the church must satisfy my needs and fill a checklist of preferences. This is the type of music that I like, so then I will go there. This is the type of building that I like, so I will go there. And this is the type of preacher that I like, and therefore I will go there. However, Peter tells us that God is the one who puts us together in the church with a purpose and with a reason. The beauty of this spiritual house is that God 
brings people of all kinds together. The wise with the simple. The rich with the poor. Canadians with Vietnamese. Blue eye, like me. <laughs> with a black eye. Tall people with a short people. To God, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you belong to or your preferences. He is building us together as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer sacrifice acceptable to him through Jesus Christ. These sacrifices are sacrifices of praise. These sacrifices as well are sacrifices are are sacrifices of love, love for God, but as well sacrifice of love for one another. We offer these sacrifices to God. And in that way, God wants us to see each other. Our new identity is that of equals with the same Father, born again to be part of this new temple God is building. This is the biblical perspective we should have about the church. We are now living stones, plural. We are not Lone Rangers, as I said before. We are many living stones that make up this house. We are called to think and care about those who God has been put beside us. Look around. Look around. How can you care and love for the living stone beside you? Look around. Who is beside you this morning? Look around who is in front of you this morning. Look around who is behind you this morning. This person next to you is an important part of this building that God is putting together. And the call is to love them. Not only the ones that you like. Not only those who are similar to you, but all of them. The ones who talk a lot and the ones who talk a little. Even that creates a big difference. Eh? I don't go to that one because he talked too little. I don't know what to say then. After two seconds that we say hello and then what? 
Oh, I love the ones who talk a lot because I don't talk. So then, so you see. But the ones we have here are the ones that God ordained to be together. Not because we are equal in our preferences or our choices, but because we have come to the same cornerstone that is Jesus. God put you here to hold on to your brother and sister on the cornerstone of Jesus. There, there will be times that your brother beside you will tell you, I don't want anything from you. I don't want any help from you. Don't pray for me. I don't, I'm not asking you for, for your advice or your counsel. Leave me alone. And guess what? God is going to tell you. Insist. Persuade him or her. Love her. We are bound together, brick by brick, with the glue of Jesus' love. And that's what we should have among ourselves. For some, Peter says, these cornerstone. For those who believe, in verse 6, the second part says, and whoever believes in him, whoever believes that Jesus is the center, Jesus is the cornerstone, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Think about that. And so he continues in verse 7 saying, So the honor is for you who believe. The honor is for you who believe. Who believe what? That we are here together for a reason and for a purpose. And continues in verse 7, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. Then the cornerstone in verse 8 has become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That is the other side of the coin. There is something for those who do not believe. There is another side of the story for those who reject God's cornerstone, Jesus. Some people decide to build their own temples 
on their own foundations, on their own preferred lifestyle. And the cornerstone in the cornerstone of their desires and passions. But Peter is telling us that God Himself has determined that salvation, that fulfillment, that the real identity is found in no one else but but Jesus. So everyone must decide how they will respond to this message of the gospel. For those who reject Jesus, Jesus will become a stone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That is why that is what C.S. Lewis famously remarked in one of his books. Jesus, he said, leaves us no middle ground. Or we believe who he is, the Son of God, and receive honor, or we take offense and disregard him, disregard him as a madman and we stumble in darkness forever but there is no middle ground and the invitation the invitation is for all of us maybe you do not understand all what we have been talking until this point but one thing i want to make clear to all of us is that this morning is a morning of invitation if you are hearing this message is for you build your 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 house on Jesus Let God build you on Jesus. Believe that there is no other cornerstone for your life now that we have time. But for those who believe, but for those who believe, notice how God calls us. Notice in verse 7, start saying a list of, of our new identity. God is telling and those who believe, those who will receive honor, this is how it starts. Notice the first part says, verse 9, but you, but you are chosen race. Can you see this? Not only Jesus is the chosen one, but we too are a chosen race. Don't you think that that's a big honor? We are a chosen race. I heard once about a kid who was adopted. And his classmates 
constantly bully him and reminded him that he was adopted. And one day, tired of hearing the same thing, day after day, the kid responded, Well, you can call me whatever you want, but the reality is that your parents got what they receive without any choice. But my parent chose me. And that is the meaning of adoption. I am a chosen one. And that is what Peter is saying about us. And that is what God is saying about us. We are a chosen race. We belong to the family of God, not because of any good in ourselves, but because of his love. God himself has chosen us. And for that reason, we cannot think about each other the way the world thinks about each other. We should consider the one we have beside us as a chosen one as well. We together are a chosen race. Because God himself has chosen us. That's so beautiful. But for those who believe, honor. Honor is for you. But the second thing is you are a chosen one and then Verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, this is, a, this is an Old Testament term. In the Old Testament, there were priests, but not royal priests. These two had different roles. The priest offered sacrifices to God, but the priest did not belong to the royalty. And vice versa. There is a story of one king who wanted to offer sacrifices to God in the temple. And he was covered. Leper, I think. So there were two. But now what Peter and what God is telling us is that we are a royal priesthood. We belong to the line of kings. I mean, that's something that we cannot understand. That. What is that meaning? Because we, don't, we, we just see the kings and, you know, to be part of that royal family is, for us, impossible. Just you go and try to say, okay, I want to be a prince in the Windsor family. Yeah. <laughs> No, thank you. But God is saying about you that you belong to a royal line. You are brother of the king of kings. Oops. Oof. I was so excited. <laughs> 
I'm okay. We belong to a royal priesthood. And as well, we can enter with sacrifices before God without any restriction and without fear that we are going to be consumed by God's, by, by God's fire. That's amazing. It's like my daughters, they have access, access to my room 24-7, right? Sometimes I wake up and they are sleeping beside me and I didn't notice. But that's the access that you have to be with the king of kings, to be accepted by God himself, to be welcome, to be received, to get to sleep beside your father and to ask your requests close to his ear. You are a prince. You are a princess. That is more than what we can give to God. So you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. At the beginning, I mentioned that we are together from many different nations, and Peter is reminding us about the same here now, that we are part of a nation, a holy nation. We may speak different languages, but we belong to the same nation. You may barely understand my English, but I assure you that I belong to you and that you belong to me. We are together in the members of the same holy nation. The church is the real United Nations. No. All political efforts to bring unity and harmony since the beginning of history have failed time after time. It is evident in times that we are living now that the great powers and the great nations of the world do not have the power to bring unity and harmony. I mean, look at the war in Russia and Ukraine, two years. And nobody knows how to solve that problem. But look around you. <laughs> look around you. We are here together because of Jesus. We are one here because of Jesus. We are a holy nation. That's what this, this part says. A people 
for his own possession. That means holy. A people for God's possession means holy, separate for him. And the reason for this new identity is in verse 9, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous, into his marvelous light. When we hear this word proclaim, the first thing that comes to our minds when we hear the word proclaim is about evangelism, right? Evangelize our neighbors and evangelize the world. But this is only part of what God is saying there. But then there is more. If we are not careful, we can lose sight of the bigger reason why God has put us together. When the church gets lost in their purpose and in their reason, they start to create these committees and meetings to brainstorm ideas, what we should do, what we should be. What should be our goal? And they, we can send surveys asking what the church should offer to be more attractive or to be more appealing to, to others outside. But the scripture tells us the purpose that we have, the reason to exist as a church, and is to proclaim the excellencies of him who calls us out of darkness. The excellencies means the attributes of God. We exist as a church to display God's attributes, God's excellencies through our life together because that's what the context of this passage is telling us. And Jesus said that as well. In John chapter 13, verse 35, 34 and 30, 35 says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I, lo I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. That's the way that we are called to do evangelism. That's the way that we are called together to proclaim the excellencies of the one who calls us out of the darkness. And you see, when we live in this war, in, in this way, so then the people will ask, Look how they love each other. And there is when we proclaim the excellencies of God. And there is nothing more that we can offer as a church. Not our programs, nor our, not our activities, not our ideas but the love that we have among each other. 
that will be our testimony to the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for the way that you have speak to us this morning. Help us to be your people, to love each other in the way that you love us, and to be built on the cornerstone, which is Jesus, the chosen one, the precious one, Help us to be one in you. And to proclaim the excellencies of this grace that we have received. The excellencies of this love that has been poor among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now we come to this table.